This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You hear him nightly here on 106.7 The Fan on your flagship station for baseball in D.C., the great Dave Jagler. Jags, a Merry Strassmas to you, sir. Merry Strassmas to you. Quantify just how important the future of the Strasburg performance and contract is. I mean, he is under contract for four years beyond this one. Him being good, what does that mean to this rebuild as opposed to if he's not? Well, it's it's huge simply because this organization has always allocated its big resources to starting pitching. And right now your two you know biggest contracts locked up right now are to starting pitchers. Unfortunately, Patrick Corbin is in his third consecutive subpar season and has two more years to go so you don't know if he's ever going to recapture the form to to 2019 at this point you're kind of hoping best case scenario he can be a back-end starter innings eater but Strasburg you don't know I mean you know it's it's been almost three years you know a little less than three years since he was at the top of the sport Uh, so time has passed but if he can somehow not even get to that level but be a, a serviceable you know top end starting pitcher uh, then that is that is a huge uplift to the organization, knowing that the, the guys you have coming along in the minor leagues, if a couple of these guys hit, Cade uh, Cavalli, Cole Henry, you know Gray is already here. We've seen it done. There have been flashes of good. Obviously, he needs some more time in the oven. He's not a finished product. Uh, if you can have a couple of those guys hit, uh, then, then with Strasburg at the top of the rotation, you have the makings of a rotation that can be pitching for a contending ball club. Dave Jagler with us here on G and D. Steven Strasburg, long-awaited season debut. I, I, I guess that the, I just was thinking about what you said. Obviously, the path forward—it's much easier if he's there. Now, I don't know if we ever get the same Patrick Corbin that we got a few years ago, and I'm sure there are a million reasons why that we could spend hours discussing. But it's really about you know salary allocation, and and you're not going to replace Steven Strasburg, right? You just have to have it work out. And in the history of this injury, as you said, Jags, Jags there's, there's not that much precedent for it for it going particularly well what do you think the Nats have done differently to try to counter that I remember they were so careful with him the baseball world was was aghast and a, and a gape when they shut him down in 2012 even though that was their best medical practice that they had at the time I'm sure they applied some of the same logic here what do you think they've done differently to try to counteract the bad precedent well I, I think it's, it's simply been time I mean I think you know we saw Strasburg you know we were down there in March for spring training and he was starting to ramp up and they he basically he backed off it a little bit and then was able to, to ramp it up again. I, I think the whole goal was to have him on his feet at the end of the season. And you talk about counting innings and an, and an innings limit. That was the big story in 2012, coming off Tommy John surgery. But what is he's thrown less than 30 innings over the last two years. So if he started opening day, uh, it's hard-pressed, even though he's in his 30s now, to say, oh, you're going to go from – 20 innings over two years to 180 innings in one year. So uh, I think this allows them uh, just just taking their time, the ability to kind of let this be a transition year when you're not in contention, for him to be you know clear of mind that yes I can I can come back and be good, but then physically you look forward to, to 2023 being there opening day and saying I can now pitch a full season as I did in 2019. So that that's the end result. You know keeping you know getting him on his feet here keeping him that way for the rest of the season 
even if you have to manage workloads and, and, and you know, come with some outings so shorter than you might think, or that maybe a, a veteran pitcher would, would deserve to go deeper in games and say, you know what, we're, gonna, we're looking at the big picture here. We want you to be able to pitch in September of this season so that you go into the offseason just focused on, on training and not rehabbing something and be ready to go next year. So I've got really three categories, Dave, and Dave Jagler on Grant and Danny with us here on The Fan. As far as the rebuild goes and the roster moving forward, I've got what I consider to be your young stud building blocks. I've got guys that are going to be here because of contract regardless. And then I'll say like possible stud young players who are really good and at the minor league level. And among them, I'll go Soto, Gray, Kbert Ruiz, and Luis Garcia as your building blocks. And Garcia hasn't necessarily shown that at the big league level, but I think he can hit. I don't think he can play shortstop. I think he's probably going to end up at second base. But I think he might hit enough, particularly as a second division team starting next year, to be in that category. Then you got Strasburg and Corbin, who are your, they're going to be here in your rotation starting every fifth day. They're paid as much to do so. And then you've got maybe like a Cavalli, Cole Henry type group, Matt Cronin at the minor leagues. Am I missing anyone that you would say has kind of moved into, hey, this is someone who's probably going to be here for the next few years and when they're good again is going to be a part of the fabric? Well, no, I mean, I th- you hit, the, obviously, the, the big names. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're taking a look at this kid, uh, Evan Lee, who's up here for, for a time. You know, is he a piece? I think you've got to look at some of the relievers who are still under uh, you know, club-friendly deals, whether that's, uh, you know, Finnegan Rainey. But, the, I mean, the big prospect that they have uh, is a couple of years away, but he, you hope, is going to be here fairly quickly, and that's Brady House. I mean, House has obviously done a pretty good job in, in low-A ball this year. You know, is this, is this two years away? Is this three years away? You're looking at him as being a big power bat. And then you've got the number five pick in the draft this year. If you're able to get a, you know, a college bat, maybe he's, he's on the come here in a, in a year or two. So uh, I think you hit the, the high points there. I mean, we've talked about this. I know you have on your show. The worst place to be is in last place and be an older team. You're starting to see now uh, with, with Garcia's arrival and hopefully you know, Cavalli may be here in a couple of weeks and Henry not far behind. The second half of the season is going to be more interesting because while you may be in last place, you're looking at the future instead of looking at guys who are just placeholders. Jax, I want to ask you about Juan Soto. I would have lost every dollar uh, that I would have wagered uh, if you told me that you know, 60 games into the season, Victor Robles would have a higher batting average or he'd be tied with Lane Thomas in that very same category. What have you seen from Soto? There have been great moments, obviously, those you know homers in Cincinnati notwithstanding, but just generally it looks like he's trying to hit the five-run home run every time to me, or not every time, but an awful lot as sort of the walls are coming around him. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've seen that a lot. We've, we've talked about his chase rate being up and the frustration that he's had with umpires that, that in the past he would be 100% right, but this year it's been more like 50% right. <laughs> he's been arguing calls that, that are in the strike zone. So you know, I, don't, I don't know. You know. Obviously he's had elite plate discipline ever since we've seen him, but uh, that's been a little bit off uh, so far this year. And I think probably just the uh, – the feeling of, you know, I, I've got to come through. I mean, the, the batting average with runners in scoring position is the mind He's been hitting under 100 all season with runners in scoring position. That's why he's sitting on 21 RBIs with 12 home runs. So, yeah, while there's been some nice moments where, okay, this is the game. You know, he hit a couple, hits a couple home runs to left field. All right, he, he's going to come out of it. Well, the next game, he's back to rolling over ground balls on the right side. So, to me, it's been, uh, you know, kind of a, a mental thing as much as anything physical trying to do too much frustration of, of the way the club has been losing. And I've got to be the guy to pull us out of it and hit that five run home run. I I think you hit the the nail exactly on the head 
we're seeing a lot of that. And, and I know they're, they're trying to, to tell him, and, well, he's, 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 take your walks is Davey Martinez's favorite quote. He's still taking his walks, but he, he's, he has gotten himself out far more than we're used to seeing by chasing pitches that are not in the strike zone. Alcantara did it to him twice last night in his first two at-bats when he was in hitter's counts, which is not something you would normally see. Jags, what do you think of Josiah Gray so far this season? 24 years old, fairly new still to pitching. Last time out, five innings, no runs last night against the Marlins. No, I, I think it's been, a, it's been a good season. You, you mentioned him as being a, a key piece. Now, is he going to be a front-of-the-rotation guy? I mean, you know, could he grow into that? He's not there yet, but he is definitely a serviceable piece to, to be a guy who you can count on to make 30 starts and, and, and be a guy to win double-digit games for you. I, I like what I see. Is there improvement that needs to be made? Yes. I like the fact that he actually threw seven or eight change-ups last night. You know, to me, he's kind of he's fallen in love with the breaking ball, and, and with good reason. He misses a lot of bats with it. But that was Joanna Doan's problem. He wouldn't throw his change-up. To, to get big league hitters out three and four times a night, you need that third pitch, uh, or, or you know, in, in Gray's case, the fourth pitch, because the curve and the slider are so similar. You know, his fastball is good. His breaking ball is good. If he can get that change-up, and Strasburg is working with him as far as watching his bullpen sessions. If he can get that change-up locked in, I think he'll take a step forward. There's a lot of good. Uh, the issue is still the home run ball. If he can curtail that, uh, you've got the makings of a very good starting pitcher. Jags, keep it, Ruiz. Uh, you know, power hasn't come yet. I think it will. Bat to ball is too good. He doesn't strike out, and that's you know sort of ahead of his years there in, in that regard. I think batting average will come and everything like that. I've been wildly impressed with him behind the dish. I, I think he's a better receiver maybe than, than we had heard, but obviously throwing runners out, he's been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I've been really, really impressed with him. Just what's, what's the vibe like just in terms of his handling of the pitching staff and kind of growing into the role? Yeah, no, no the vibe is good that, that, that they have their catcher here going forward. I mean, we, you know, obviously the Nationals have done it with veteran catchers, you know, stop gaps here recently, be it the Weeders, Gomes, Suzuki, ever since they, they traded for Ramos when he was just a, a puppy with the Minnesota Twins. So, I think they feel like they've got their guy going forward. I think there have been a few growing pains as far as him, you know, getting the game plan, which is so much a part of the game these days, and following the game plan. Uh, so there's some growing pains there. But the receiving skills are there. The throwing arm is there. And, and again, like you said, I think the, the power will come. So uh, that, that, you know, the fact that you are solid up the middle, you hope, with your catching position is a, is a huge plus. Dave Jagler on Grant and Danny. By the way, Kbert Ruiz, even though on the season, you know, he's hitting 255, an expected batting average of 317, and that's 98th percentile in baseball. And if you look at his strikeout rate, it's also in the top few percent in Sub-10%. all of the game. 9.4% K rate is 98th percentile in the big league. So there's a lot to like about the young 23-year-old uh, at the plate as well. Jags, one more I wanted to sneak in. You mentioned Cavalli maybe within the ne- next couple of weeks. He's gone seven innings in his last two starts, which is yep. an awesome sign. He's completely turned what was a pretty disappointing start to the year at AAA around. He had 10 strikeouts last time out. What's your thought just kind of generally as a guy who's been around baseball a long time, like calling someone up right in the middle of some momentum? Or it always seems like it's just funny how it works out. Like guys get called up while they're slumping because it's just when you need them. But I love the idea. If he was able to turn in another really good outing in AAA, just keeping him on his day or close to it, and while he's rolling, calling him up and, and indoctrinating him that way. But what do you make of when we could see him and, and how that might work out? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. He, he had a real clunker like four starts ago where he didn't make it out of the first inning. And then it's almost like he flipped a switch. 
and the last three have been arguably his best three starts of the year. So I think kind of like what I was talking about with, with Gray and Adone, uh, they want to see him incorporate that, that change-up, and that's the final piece. We know the arm is electric, the fastball is electric, but to get big league hitters out, I mean, we've watched it the first two nights with the Marlins starting pitchers. Uh, Cabrera, who's you know kind of Sandy Alcantara light, and Sandy Alcantara, who's the best pitcher that, that I've seen this season, uh, they, those guys have outstanding change-ups, and they throw it a lot. Uh, that can be an equalizer against righties and lefties. And, you, you know, you can't just come up here and try to blow everybody away. Uh, you've got to have a little bit of that finesse. Uh, that's what Strasburg figured out uh, and, and why he was successful. And if Cavalli can uh, can show the organization that that change-up is a viable weapon, I think he'll be here, and he'll probably be here pretty soon. Jags, thank you as always, buddy. Have a great call tonight. All right, looking forward to it, Mary Strasburg's boys. Bang, zoom. Thanks to Dave Jagler for hopping on Bussin. Loose baseball with us. Uh, he is a regular with us on Grant and Danny in D.C., our flagship show on the flagship station, 106.7 The Fan. Speaking of interviews, though, we wanted you to hear our conversation with Lane Thomas, who was a pretty cool dude. A little dry at first, maybe a little nervous, or didn't know the guy. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. He's intimidated by us, I'm sure. And very much so. I would be intimidated as well. It's like a 60 minutes interview, very hot light over top of him. Uh, but he opened up, and we had a lot of fun with him. Ended up being a lot of fun and a good interview and really, really good dude. This was Lane Thomas, the Nats outfielder who's been on a heater. See you later. Lane Thomas has six home runs on the season. OPS creeping up now to 700. And those six home runs were made possible by a three-homer game he just had in Cincinnati as part of a 7-for-14 stretch. He is hitting 320 in his last seven games for the Nationals, and he joins us. Lane, after those three homers and then the multi-hit game one day later, I guess you didn't want to leave Cincinnati, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's close to home. You know, I've played in that ballpark quite a bit, and, you know, it's a little – Ball ball kind of flies there. It's a little easier to to hit one out. So I was glad I got I put a, put a few good swings on him. What was BP like? Were you doing like a move them up round and those were going out too? Like when do you know that you're locked in different than maybe a normal uh, a normal afternoon? Man, I don't think you know. I think it just kind of shows up, you know, in the game. I think it's yeah. I've definitely had days where I feel great and then you know it doesn't go so well, and then days you you feel bad and it goes well. So I think it just kind of you know whatever that day. Dave brings you. Game two of the Cincinnati series, Lane Thomas hit three home runs in a three-for-five performance. Have you ever hit three home runs in a game at any level? I did it in AAA in 19 um, against uh, in Oklahoma City. Similar kind of performance where it was the first three at-bats or, or close to it? Like they play out comparably? Yeah, I think I was or maybe I was maybe O for my first at bat, kind of same thing, and then I did it my next three, and then I got double switched in like the I don't know seventh or eighth inning. You got taken out of the game. You hit three home runs in. Yep, got taken out of the game. I hit three home runs in in AAA. Yep. Why did that happen? No idea. Because <laughs> it's not, <laughs> and it's also it's not like you're a guy who can't play defense. Yeah, or I something. would question that managerial acumen there. Don't I don't remember exactly what it was. I don't know if we were like. Down, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me either. But <laughs> but you didn't, didn't have a chance at four. I just I, I took the three homers and went inside and, and took my cleats off and put tennis shoes on. So <laughs> you had a chance at a fourth, I think, in Cincy, right? Um, yes, actually, yeah, I got the last at that and then kind of flew out. Was it on your mind? Like everyone always says, I've never tried to hit a home run. I mean, you had to be in that at bat. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, the whole dugout <laughs> was telling me. He was like, you know, you got, you're on house money now. You got to try. You know, <laughs> that's so fun. Lane Thomas with us here on G and D. You feel comfortable in DC yet? I mean, it's such a, a strange thing. You know, it's like kind of. It's sort of pandemic, and it sort of wasn't. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, 2021. It was such a weird thing and, 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 and an odd time. And now you've kind of gone through spring training here. D- does it feel like home? Yeah, I think I'm definitely getting getting familiar with it. You know, I've, I've lived in the Navy Yard the last few uh, few seasons, and it's just, you know, it's a great little area by the stadium, some good restaurants. And, and back to the COVID stuff, man, I feel like it's, you know, if you don't watch the news, I feel like it, it everything seems pretty normal, you know. True, yeah, especially Seriously. at this point just, now. You, know, you walk yeah, into a restaurant, like, rules are yeah, back to normal. Absolutely. What's your so, go-to yeah. spots in the neighborhood? Um, You know, obviously we grocery shop there at the, at the Harris Tudor. And, uh, my fiance, she's a Starbucks queen, so she's uh, she gives them a lot of business. So I try to stay away from that. She can she can buy the coffee and I'll get it at the field, you know. Are you so? Are you a coffee? Are you a coffee guy in the morning? Are you one of those dudes that like doesn't need it? I definitely have, will have a cup in the morning, but I, I'm pretty sensitive to, to caffeine, so I try not to drink a bunch of it. You know. On a game day, what's your normal routine like? Like, when do you show up, and what are you doing from when you get to the ballpark to, to when you're in the lineup for first pitch? You know, I usually I usually wake up and try to eat breakfast. I know some guys sleep till noon, but I usually get up, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock, and at least eat something, and you know, maybe walk with her to Starbucks, and then. Whatever time of the game, however early we're there, I don't know, four to five hours earlier, uh, you know, just get there, eat lunch. You know, if I have something bother me, I'll go see the trainers or, you know, maybe lift if it's if it's the right day. So there's a lot of stuff you can do, you know. What's your ideal breakfast situation in the morning? Um, I don't really cook breakfast a whole lot. I usually, there's a place up the street, I don't know what the street's called, maybe like 8th Street or 18th Street or something. And it's like there's a Ted Bulletin and then a, a little bagel shop I go to all the time. It's like uh, call your mother. Oh, the, both outstanding recommendations, by the way. One makes their own Pop-Tarts oh. in-house. The other, bagel sandwiches to die for. Y- oh, yeah, incredible. You got a good palate. Lane Thomas with us here on G&D. So I have a couple of good friends who are St. Louis guys, and they both, you know, when, when, when the trade happened, uh, both, you know, spoke glowingly of you, said you're, you're going to get to know this guy. He's an awesome dude. Just had a kind of a – it was a little bit stuck at times in, in St. Louis, maybe kind of a crowded outfield. Did you feel that way, that you were kind of a little bit stuck? And, and almost what, – what was it like when, when you got the call that you'd been traded to, to a place you might have an opportunity to play a lot? Yeah, um, I think it's a tough thing when I was there because, like, I was on some good teams. So part of you is like, you know what, I'm accepting this role and I want to just do the best I can at, you know – defense and base running and the stuff that I was asked to do or pinch hitting. And then a part of you is like, you know what, I can like, I can play every day. I'm still 25 years old. You know, I don't want to get stuck in this, you know, coming off the bench every night, you know, but like I said, part of you is like, you know what, I can do this too. So, so I think I was grateful for that opportunity because I was a part of the, you know, some really good teams they had there. And then, you know, getting here, it was like, it, it just goes back to the part where it's like, you know, Deep down, you got to always believe in yourself that you, you have an opportunity to play, you know, more than once or twice a week. So um, I think it's just two different situations, and you know, I'm definitely grateful for both of them. But you know, you, there, there's different ways to look at look at them, I guess. Especially early in your career. I mean, now being just 26, I would feel like I hate to say the priority is like getting your opportunity over winning, but getting to play every day, even if it's in Washington where they're rebuilding, where you're not filling the ballpark as opposed to playing competitive games in St. Louis every few days in front of 40,000 people, 
Like you're at a point in your development where you need to play to some extent. I, I have to feel like it was still a net win or like a godsend for you just to kind of leave that winning situation to come here where you actually get at bats. Yeah, and I think I think um, any organization or team, and obviously, like we're still, you know, wanting to win every game we play. You know, that's still the most important thing. And I think that's that's how you have success is trying to win games, not trying to just go out and selfishly get four hits a game. You know what I mean? But also, if you get four hits a game, you're you know it probably helps the team win. <laughs> but I think it's just trying to keep in the right mindset and and just just doing your part and being a good teammate. What have you kind of sought this year in terms of personal goals? I know you mentioned, obviously, winning games is great, and four hits a night would be awesome if you want to just do that, you know, get yourself 500 hits over the course of the season. But what were kind of your personal goals here that you wanted to get better at heading into this year, and and kind of where are you at on on those metrics? Um, Yeah, I think think it's always good to set set some some goals for yourself and as a team and, you know, as a a teammate. um, I don't have anything specific, but I just wanted to kind of build off last year, and and there was some defense stuff that I wanted to get better at, and – um, I knew there was a chance that I would kind of bounce back and forth between, you know, center and, and left. And um, I just wanted to be a solid defender because I think, you know, the offense stuff, is it, it's a tough thing to be good at. So I think, um, you know, hits come and go, but you can always be a good defender. He's Lane Thomas. We're Grant and Danny. How different is the defensive outfield roles of playing center and left? I mean, you undulate night in and night out, just reading the ball off the bat, some of those things. I get the sense for the average baseball fan that the assumption is, well, he's an all-world athlete, and he's just tracking balls, and he's been doing that since he was a kid. But there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I don't think it's, it's much about getting the quickest read as it is the right read, if that makes sense off the bat. I think a lot of people are worried about, like, oh, his first step's good. Well, you know, if, if your first step is good, but it's the wrong first step, I think then it's not, you know, then it's, then it's not, not as good. Um, so that's something that I've been working on, working on with, uh, with, with EY. Um, and just, you know, I, I think I said this previously, maybe with you guys or, or someone last year that, you know, after the season, I just wanted to know what I was good at, what I wasn't good at defensively and, and kind of worked on some stuff. So my agent kind of got together with a, with a stat guy that, you know, works for them and, and kind of just, just was honest with me and just said, you know what, this, this is what, what I would work on, you know, and I just took it, took it and, and did that. Stat guy that works for the Nats, like you mean the analytics R&D guys? No, I, I, my agency has a guy who, you know, I guess, I don't know what they actually use him for, but they, um, I don't know if it's scouting or, you know, getting some stuff off the analytic stuff for, for guys they're looking at or, or guys, you know, in my situation that, that wanted to, to learn some stuff. I just want to picture him with huge glasses and like a pocket protector and a calculator and some spreadsheets. Like, is that fair? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a, that's a fair assumption. <laughs> well, what people sleep on, Lane, is that cor- those corner outfield spots, there's so many tricky things. Like, obviously, you know, playing caroms, balls that are down the line. The opposite hand, like a lefty, like looks like he's out in front or gets jammed, and then there's some carry to it. It's just, it's weird. There, did you grow up playing corner outfield spots, or is that something that you kind of had to learn? Um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily grow up playing there. I, you know, occasionally in the minor league, mm-hmm. you know, I would play play there, but you know, obviously, mainly I played center field. So, um, but I'm definitely getting more more comfortable on the left. I feel like I played there more this year than center, obviously. So. Um, I think, you know, the longer you do something, the more comfort, comfortable you're going to get, obviously. You're from Knoxville, yeah? Mm-hmm, yep. I'm wondering if you care about uh, college baseball at all. Tennessee is just a, a wagon. They're nasty. Uh, and I know you oh. got drafted where you, in 2014 by the Blue Jays in the fifth round, so I, I don't know what the college recruiting process was like for you, but, man, are they good. Oh, they're unbelievable. Um, I, was, I was committed there um, in high school when I 
uh, one of my best friends, and, and yeah, he's still, still one of my best friends, uh, Kyle Serrano was Dave Serrano's son. He was the head coach. So uh, me, Kyle, and like Nixon Zell uh, with the Reds, we're, we're all still really close. Like they'll, they'll both be in my wedding this offseason. So, um, you know, we, we had a pretty good group going there. And, you know, it, it kind of stunk that I didn't get to go because I thought it would be pretty cool to get to play with those guys. But, um, you know, and then after Dave left, you know, Vitello came and, He's been unbelievable. I think the, the players he's been getting in there, it's pretty pretty crazy. If you don't throw 101 or hit to the ball to the second deck, you can't play for them. Oh, it's crazy. I know. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, he, it, well, it's cool, too. Is, man, he, lets, um, he lets us use the facility and um, be around the guys. So I think that, that's been cool for us, too, is just being able to, to, to use that full facility in the offseason. Well, Lane, I'm obviously much older than you and washed up and pudgy and, and gross to look at, but I, I remember the era of baseball when it was like a huge deal if one team had a guy that would throw 95, like come out of the bullpen. He was like the feared guy with the low-brimmed hat and was real intimidating. Now like soft-tossing lefties throw 95, and it's gotten even into the college level, to Grant's point. I mean, there's that there's that dude at Tennessee throwing a buck 05. It's unbelievable, the, the velocity. Did, when did you notice that jump, like when you were coming up? Because I feel like it's within the last decade that it just everybody throws hard now. Yeah, I feel like I was just kind of part of it, you know, like mm-hmm. in whatever year I was drafted, 14, it was like, you know, they're just, it's unbelievable how many guys, you know, just throw hard that, you know, some throw strikes, some don't, you know, but they all throw the same right. velocity thing. So, yeah, it's been wild. I was actually sitting in a double header during the COVID year. I think it was 2020, and uh, Yachty was not playing, and we were kind of where they made us sit in the stands, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to him, and he was, like, telling me how, like, I don't know, the year he debuted, the average fastball was, like, and don't quote me on these numbers, but it was, like, you know, 89.5, and then or, like, maybe even less than that. And then, like, that same year, the average fastball was, like, 94 point something, you know. And it was just <laughs> yeah. crazy to on up. The average fastball has gone up, you know, five, six miles an hour. And, you know, I just don't know how people hit. How does anyone hit? I I don't get it. I know it's, it's a lot of times people don't. I mean, there was a lot of no hitters and stuff, but two seamers are breaking like left handed curveballs. Now the the cutters, the the different stuff, the looks these guys give it, and they're throwing it over 100 miles an hour. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is unbelievable. I think a a guy that's tough to face, uh, and they're both pretty similar, I think, is, uh, Alcantara, and then the dude with the Reds, uh, who we faced the last day. Castillo? Uh, Castillo. Yeah, it's like, man, you, you look at a fastball that you're swinging at, 95% of the time it's right down the middle, and then, like, you know, when it gets to the plate, it's, you know, it's hitting off the label and you're getting jammed. It's like, it's a tough uh, it's a tough game for sure, and, and I feel like as a scouting and, and, and watching video and the guys, it's like you, you really have to know your stuff and have a good approach towards guys like that because, you know, if you don't, you go in there and swing it – you know, what you think is a straight fastball, and then you ground out three times to short, you know? But would you rather deal with the velocity or, or, like, great breaking stuff? Like, would you rather hit off 102 or someone who's got one of the better curves in the game or something? I just feel like nowadays they both – most guys have both. Yeah, both. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Like, you know, I don't even have an answer to that. I feel like you have to respect both pitches for most guys nowadays, you know? Are you uh just you mentioned being prepared and I, I to me again if someone's got 102 or a filthy slider or kind of whatever it is as you mentioned everybody's stuff is just so good I people call it guessing I, I think it's you know educated research and patterns right are, are you a guess guy I mean again I don't have a better word for it than that but I feel like you've got to sit on something I mean unless to, you know until you get to two strikes but I feel like there's got to be some sort of plan and that's got to lead to some action there right 
Yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's not really guessing. It's almost just you know doing doing some research. And it's obviously easy if you've faced guys before, but like understanding where stuff's going to start and where it's going to finish, and you know what I mean, like the fastball and the curveball and where where you're anticipating this pitch to start, and knowing uh, knowing that kind of stuff. So that, that's stuff that I work on is just you know getting in the cage and swinging at some some breaking balls and 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 seeing it at, at the normal velo. If that makes sense. Lane Thomas with us on Grant and Danny. Now, you mentioned the wedding coming up this offseason. Where are we at in wedding planning, and how involved are you? Um, I told her I wanted two things. I said, I don't. I want, like, a, a cigar, a little whiskey bar for the guys to hang out, and I want a sit-down dinner. Or, I'm sorry, I don't want a sit-down dinner, because I feel like, you know, you sit down, and it's just kind of a waste of time. I feel like people can eat when they're hungry kind of thing. So those are my two requests, and she has done everything else. I like that idea about the sit-down dinner. Obviously, like food and weddings is always good. That stations or what does that well, mean? Just, yeah, like it's at a buffet style where people eat when yeah, they want? Just like, yeah. just like an upscale buffet. You yeah. Know, you can go eat and sit somewhere else. But, you know, no one needs to sit down for an hour and a half and have a 10-course meal, you know. Because the party like loses that. momentum. Right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it, like exactly. it's long speeches and stuff. Totally. Well, you have your group you hang out with, and then everybody else that comes. It's like mm-hmm. you can't hang out with everybody, and nobody wants to sit in a suit and stuff for five hours and not really even talk to anybody. So I just feel like, you know what, we'll, we'll make this a little shorter and, and, and some good food and, and enjoy the party. And then, you know, end it there. <laughs> Cigar lounge, like a bus outside or you like a room in the facility, you think? You know, I don't even know. I think after the season, I think we're going to go check out the venue. She's obviously already been, but I've never even been to this area. We're going to like uh Santa Rosa uh, beach, Florida. So oh, wow. 38. In that whole area, yeah, her parents have are uh, they've got a house down there and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's how she she picked it. Band or DJ? Um, I think she got a band. It's a great choice. It's a good way to do it. Yeah. Live oh, band. Yeah. Yep, who, yep. I'm excited. Who who's going to be the the worst of the nationals that might come? Who's going to be the worst dancer there? Do you think the worst dancer? Um, I feel like probably Josh Rogers. I feel like he <laughs> That's a lock. I don't want to say I don't want to say worse, but just maybe the wrong style. You know what I mean? The least good. <laughs> Is it Yeah. <laughs> Who will be the worst dressed? Oh man, that's a tough one. Man, I hopefully they all dress pretty well. I feel like I'll have uh I think I don't think she'll let anybody wear anything too crazy. <laughs> It would have been funny if he said Josh if Rogers. It was Rogers again. again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, actually, that's also Josh. A, a Rogers. bolo tie with a, with a barbecue stain on it. We had him on the show a couple <laughs> yeah. weeks ago. He's hilarious. We really like talking yeah. to him. Yeah, he's a funny dude, man. We get along well. Well, stay hot. It's been awesome seeing this series. What you just pulled off, and, and the three homer game was one of the highlights of the year so far as a Nats fan. Thank you for the time, and we appreciate you. Enjoy uh, South Beach these next few days. Awesome, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.